you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we enter plain song, argue with the chorus, and enter the sacred cave. Welcome to episode 46 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jared, but you can call me Ja. And I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. Yes, I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for checking out Lightkeeper Protocol. Uh, you know, we love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game. So please join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. So on our previous episodes, actually our previous two episodes, we were just kind of catching up with some side quests, catching up with some old friends, reading a couple comic books, and, uh, you know, just talking about No Man's Land a little bit. But now we're back on the course for the main uh, for the main quest line, and we're going to be heading into Plainsong. So we're going to be talking about the Dying Lands, the main quest of the Dying Lands in this episode. And uh, before we get started, let's just hear a quick overview. Aloy arrives in Plainsong and can see that it's been hit hard by the blight. She soon finds Varl and Zoe, who are waiting for her near the entrance. Zoe tells Aloy that the chorus has assembled, but they are in disharmony. Aloy's request has brought up an internal disagreement among the Utaru as to what to do regarding the current state of Plainsong. Some Utaru want to remain traditional, while others want to try new things. Zoe mentions that dangerous new machines with a purple glow are coming out of the sacred cave. This leads Aloy to believe that more than land god Fa is in the cave. Once Aloy is ready, Zoe leads her and Barl to the chorus. Aloy tries to reason with them to allow her in the cave, but the chorus doesn't believe Aloy can help in the matter. Chorus member Fane says that death is part of the natural cycle of life, and that Aloy doesn't understand their traditions. In the end, the chorus doesn't believe they should break their traditions for an outsider. Before they can conclude, there is an alarm sounded near the sacred cave. Machines have broken through their defenses and are now attacking Plainsong. Aloy, Varl, and Zoe fight their way to the sacred cave, which it turns out is actually an entrance to a cauldron. You know, Aloy, she arrives in Plainsong and you know, she sees that the blight is the worst that she has seen it, you know, like, like it, you know, the plain song I, I, it is the worst that we've seen so far. I will say like everything looks pretty bad. It looks pretty. I mean, it looks pretty. I think it looks pretty with the pink and the green, like the contrast of the area. I think it looks pretty. Oh, okay. Maybe it's because did you go there during the day or was it at night? It was during the day. Okay, maybe because at night it looks it looks horrifying. Like, like, <laughs> oh, I can see that. Yeah, the pink looks yeah. probably more of a deep red. Yes, exactly. Okay, that, that has the thing. Like, it does not look good. It looks like really um, depressing. Actually, you know what's depressing is that there's people that are in the fields trying to 
do things, I guess, with the land. And I guess the blight there doesn't hurt you because you can walk through it, which is kind of funny because anywhere else, like Aloy goes near it and starts coughing. I didn't even try. I didn't even try to walk through it. I'm pretty sure you get hurt by blight when you're on a mount as well. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. Like you yeah. get hurt when you normally when you walk through it, you start getting hurt. Yeah. No, I am not uh, that coordinated. I definitely rode right through it. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah. So I did not try because you know, I'm like, oh, red stuff bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it doesn't hurt you. And if it does, it doesn't hurt any of these people because they're just like chilling in it, like trying to do whatever they're doing in there. So Oh uh, yeah. Like all well, until like, you know, twenty years from now they got the blight lung. <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh but you're right there are utaro out there um there was there's some utaro standing on a boulder like all of them they're just kind of standing on a boulder like meerkats like you ever see like a bunch of meerkats just kind of standing together yeah it looks like that i'm like why are you all here standing on this boulder <laughs> you know it's right outside of like one of the like i, I what i would call the main entrance of playing song I it's wonder, like two guards are there, or maybe two farmers. I'll say two guards. They're, they're kind of standing at the door. So I would imagine they're guards, but, you know, we're talking about the Utaro here. And there's a boulder, and there's a bunch of people that are just standing on the boulder. You can hear them talk about how the chorus doesn't want to leave plain song. Like they, I'm trying to remember what, exactly what they said. They said something like, well, they're not saying that we have to starve to death, but they're just saying we they just don't want to leave or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't get that, but I did, like, get a random encounter on my way there. Oh, a random encounter? Yeah, where, like, some uh, Utaro w- were fighting some some rebels. Uh, I got a random encounter not here, but later on. It's later on uh, after I had already been to Plain Song, and I don't think they were fighting rebels. They were fighting machines. No. I, I had uh, Utaro fighting rebels, and it was, like, right outside one of the Plain Song gates. Really? No, mm-hmm. this is a little bit away from the Plant Song gates. And they were, it was like, it was, it, uh, I remember it had something to do with food. It was like a cook or something like that. Cause when he said, Hey, you should come to Plant Song and I'll give you a free meal or something like that. That was my random encounter. Yeah. See, I remember that one. That one was later on. But so, yeah, I, I did not see this. So uh, I didn't even realize the, the rebels were that close to Plant Song. Yeah. Or maybe they were fighting Osram. I actually didn't know who they were fighting, but they were definitely uh, who the, the the good guys were. But it was definitely rebels because they said that no man's land isn't really safe, but they didn't think they'd have to worry about to knock the neutral territory. And this happened in Plainsong? Like right outside before you go in one of the entrances of Plainsong. Like not, not Plainsong, like before you get to the fields. Oh, before you get to the fields. Okay, yeah. I can see that. When yeah, so I'm sorry, when I say plain song, I meant like the Oh, the, the actual I guess structure. Like, this actual structure. So you know, I you know you're probably right. I, I've been using the the term incorrectly because that entire area, technically speaking, is plain song. Mm-hmm. You are correct. You're one hundred percent correct about that. I'm talking about because the city itself doesn't have a name. No, that's right? just like, plain song, I guess. It, it's just part of plain song, right? You know, so yeah, it doesn't that that actually doesn't have a name. It's not like Karja territory and Meridian. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, I guess it's kind of like Meridian upper and lower, right? This is just like plain song and then the fields. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I, that's, that's another thing I was, because ha- it's plain song. 
the, the surrounding areas playing song, but also the inside areas playing song. So mm-hmm. I, I differentiated it between like the outside walls of playing song, and the inside walls of playing song. Oh. I kind of wish they just gave the two, the areas a different name. <laughs> yeah, that would have been helpful. Yeah, they didn't think about our show at all. Nope. You know, they're selfish. Maybe the next the next game. Maybe. Maybe they'll think about us a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but when you get inside the town part of playing song, you can clearly see that the structures are built on a few of those satellite dishes from the Western Grand Array. Uh you know, especially if you look at the like from the map perspective, like once you clear out the fog, even if you got the tall neck, right, you clear out the extra little fog in the area and you can clearly see it. That's how they built their structures. So I would say Plain Song is one of the most vertical areas we've been in because mm-hmm. everything is built on top of each other. And actually, I kind of feel like um, it makes it, I don't want to say tough to get around, but it, when you first get there, it's a little confusing. Right. It's, it's a lot of confusing. I've uh, <laughs> I used the grappling hook to try to get to a higher level and then get up there. And I'm like, oh, this is not where I was supposed to go. Where am I going? Yeah, because it's not even like they don't even have a, I don't know, like a, a standard stair uh, system or something like that. Because yeah. you, could, you could just follow a path and you think it's going to take you up, but it doesn't. And it just ends up it takes take, take you down or keeps you on the same level. And it's like, well, how do I get up to the higher level? Yeah. You got to find the right path to get to the higher level. So yeah, it, it is a little confusing. <laughs> I, will, I will say. Uh, but yeah, Zoe and Varl are actually waiting near the entrance uh, at the bottom so that, you know, it, you don't get too confused trying to go find them because <laughs> like I said, since it's vertical, imagine if they were up on the second or third floor already. Oh, my goodness. No, thank you. Yeah, and you got to find your way up to them. Like, no, they're like right there at the bottom waiting for you. And Zoe tells you that the chorus has assembled. And the music you hear in Plain Song when you enter is not just background music. It's actually people singing it because Aloy does say something about it. She's like, oh, does that music mean that the chorus is assembled or the chorus is talking? And she's like, yeah. Zoe tells you that, you know, it's not just people singing. It's people singing for the chorus itself. Right. Um, and we'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a, in, the, in a couple minutes here, but she says that Varl was able to help the chorus get assembled because originally the chorus didn't want to consider their request at all. And what Varl does, he spoke to the people playing song about what Aloy did for Ray and put the pressure on the chorus. And well, actually that he didn't put pressure on the chorus, but the people put pressure on the chorus to actually discuss the issue. So he says he might've embellished it a little bit. So they don't get into what he said, but I'm curious, <laughs> you know, he I'm knows, curious. he knows the way of the, um, is religious the, the word to use here that knows the way of the people set in their ways, I guess. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause he lived that life for so long. Right. So he knows yeah. how to navigate these situations. Whereas Aloy did in like, she was an outcast. So she, I guess, understands how they lived, but like, wasn't in it. Yeah, I still don't give her a pass for that. No, I because don't. Because she, she, she lives with a super hardcore believer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree. I, that's, why, that's why I don't give her a pass on that. Well, she was an outcast and, you know, she, like, no. I don't, I don't give her a pass. But um, he says he, did, he says he got the idea because he saw it work a few times with the matriarchs. So I guess the matriarchs were a little stubborn and sometimes, especially, uh, well, not Jezza. Who was the other one? Um, 
Ooh, it starts with an L. The mean one. La- Lantra? La- Lanzra. Lanzra. Lanzra? Yeah. Okay, I was close. Lanzra. Lanzra was the mean one. Like, she was the one that was always like, no. No was her first <laughs> answer to everything. <laughs> the one and only answer she had. <laughs> yeah, Jezza was the one that was always like, eh. Neutral. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the neutral one. The what neutral does everybody else want to do? She's the most neutral one, but she had to be the tiebreaker every time, which is hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, um, Zoe says the har- the chorus is in disharmony. And, uh, the, you know, this was actually happening before AOA arrived. She says they were debates on what they should do, considering, you know, the current situation of playing song, you know, the fields being blighted, them not having enough food. Uh, them being attacked by dangerous machines. And many in the tribe, you know, they don't want to do anything. And others call for change. And I guess that she said some have extreme measures, but she doesn't really get into it. But I guess technically speaking, just moving to a different area could be considered extreme, depending mm-hmm. on how their, uh, not religion, but like their way of life. I'll say, I don't know. The, I don't, don't want to say the Otaru are religion, right? It's just like kind of like a way of life. Even, I don't know, even uh, the the Nora, uh, they're not religious. I would call it more of a way of life. You know? I don't know. The Nora are a little bit of a harder sell with that. With like the whole all mother and everything. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, and they, I guess the Tar do have the land gods, but like I don't know, they ju- they don't seem as like you know maybe because they're not monotheistic. <laughs> they don't seem as hardcore because the land gods there 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 are multiple of them. Right. At least seven, eight. We don't know if they have two does. <laughs> <laughs> still, still questions that need to be answered by Gorilla. Um, but uh, yeah, so. I don't know, like, they don't really get into the um, the hardcore stuff about it. I don't even really think that gets into, like, you, they don't even really get into it in the side quest, because, you know, that would have been a great opportunity to explore more about the Utaro and the politics of the Utaro in yeah. the side quest, and I don't think we really see uh, that happening in this game. Yeah. Tradition, by the way, is probably the proper word because I'm looking at my notes where they're talking about like this is their tradition. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. They're very traditional. Traditional. OK, we'll we'll okay. roll with that word. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Zoe mentions that, uh, mentions that new and more vicious machines are coming out of the cave. She calls them hunter killers and they have a strange purple glow. And this is. Like the machines controlled by Hephaestus in the frozen wild. So, you know, this gives us an idea of what is in the caves, you know. Um, Zoe tells Aloy that the chorus is considering her request. And Aloy is like, okay, well, let's go see him. And Zoe's like, well, there's no rush because they probably won't be done anytime soon. And Aloy's like, okay, well, I'll go resupply then. And this is the game giving us a hint because Zoe's like, yeah, you go prepare for, you know, whatever you need in the cave, you know. Yeah, this is where I was like, let me go do every side quest that I can see right here. That was that was what I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. By the time I I got there, I had already did it. And it's funny because she's like, oh, it can take days for them to come to a decision. And I was like, well, they got minutes (laughs) because I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm going up. Uh, So I pretty much did that right away. Zoe does say something like, you know, she's like, well, that's assuming they'll allow you in the cave. And I'm just like, you better hope they allow her in the cave because she's just going to go anyway. Yeah, she's going to go one way or another. 
Exactly. Aloy's already on, like, you know, no new friends. Like, that's, right. that's her. Or that's her way of life right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, yeah, I would definitely implore them to let her in the cave. But uh, you do get to explore playing song a little bit. And like we already talked about, this is the part where you can get confused going up or down. Because you got to find the right pathways to get to the right levels. Uh, there is a Tanakh there that tells you about a hunting ground, which we'll talk about at some point. And then also, uh, Yef from Shadow in the West, he's in Plain Song if you completed that quest already. So uh, he asked Aloy if she thinks, well, you know, what she thinks about Plain Song. And I think she says something like, oh, it's nice. And he's like, yeah, if you enjoy the smell of manure. So I'm like, well, why would you even ask? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like when you, you know. go like hey how are you like oh i'm doing good how are you crappy like why would you like yeah. if you just ask are you baiting <laughs> me right now like fishing for whatever yeah yeah exactly so he like assures her i was like i'm not gonna go anywhere because people here need me i'm like okay this is a pointless conversation <laughs> you know you could have easily just made a voice line thanks for saving me back there with the carja right here's an item right <laughs> you know, that could have also worked but yeah, it was it was kind of it was kind of weird, um, but yeah, you can find Varl and Zoe near the chorus. I found them by accident, to be honest with you. I was just trying to explore Plain Song. I was not trying to find the marker, and I was just on a on one of the pathways, and I was getting closer to the marker. I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this then, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, before you speak to them, you can hear Varl talking about how Plain Song reminds him about his heart and how everyone would gather around the matriarchs. To hear you know what they have to say and Aloy notes how the singing keeps going while the chorus is in session you know she's like they, do they just keep singing you know are they not going to stop and Zoe says they're only singing because the chorus isn't in harmony says that they sing to soothe the chorus and help them resolve an impasse and here I was thinking the game devs are just trying to set the mood <laughs> so uh but yeah that that's what they're doing so if the core if the chorus was in harmony if they agreed with each other that's that's another interesting thing right if they agree with each other nobody's singing how do you know they're in disagreement yeah see they say they're in harmony but like i don't know that sounded very in harmony to me i feel like you would have someone out there just like singing out of note or something you know no the, the, so the chorus is in disharmony. Like they can't agree. No, I get that. Yeah. But like they're taking everything so literal. Like they're calling them a chorus and then they're singing and then they say they're in disharmony. So I figured if they're not in agreement, then their singing would sound like crap as well because they're not in harmony. No, I get what you're saying. But the purpose <laughs> of this singing is to get them to calm down and to, you know, come come to an agreement of some sorts. But my thing is. They're singing the same notes over and over and over again. We're having these arguments for days at a time, you know. Uh, chorus with a capital C is having a, 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 a these arguments for days at a time, and chorus with a little C is they're sitting there singing songs. I'm like, yo, what? Can somebody tell them to shut up, please? Really <laughs> I'm trying loud. to think here. You can hear them at the bottom of plain song <laughs> and the top of plain song. So like, it's a it's very loud. Yeah, any song that gets sung for days at a time eventually won't really get be soothing. No. So, yeah, but yeah, the, the chorus with a small C, uh, they, um, they're trying to grease the wheels to get them to get over this impasse. Uh, but when Aloy, Varl, and Zoe head to the chorus, chorus with a small C starts singing, and uh, Aloy tries to address chorus with a big C, 
but she is interrupted. Your sacred cave. There's something inside I need. And if I can get it, it so, will help. and the Nora have spread word of your story and what you want. We know of no spirit in the cave, only Fa, our land god, who entered the cave and did not return. The power of the land gods is broken. We are diminished. Tales of spirits will not help us. Nothing will. We weaken, we die, and become fertile ground for new life. This is the natural order. Yes. Wait, you're all just going to sit around? Until you become food for worms? Literally? So says the Outlander, ignorant of our beliefs. Please, remember how she brought peace to Ray. Listen to her. We've heard such temerity from you before, Zoe. Let us not forget that you agitated for reckless war against the Kaja. At least she's trying to help. How? By inviting you to break our traditions? Should we change our ways to suit every impudent outsider who wanders into Plainsong? No. You should change your ways because your own lands are killing you. We have stood by and watched as our land gods waste away. You would have us do the same with our neighbors, our children. And this lone outlander can save us. Nonsense. A single seed matters little in the infinite cycle of growth and decay. An alarm. From the mountains. All right, so as expected, the chorus is not too keen on Aoi going into the cave, and they took they've taken a really a very defeatist attitude toward this whole situation. Yeah, because Kel, who is a member of the chorus, says that the power of the land gods is diminished and nothing's going to help them. And then another member of the chorus, Fane, who I would imagine is the main person because he talks first. Uh, follows up basically by saying that, you know, they'll just die because that's the natural order of things. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's some Mujari that are like, hey, speak for yourself <laughs> because, like, I don't, I don't want to die. Right. Well, you that's know? probably why they're in disharmony because people are like, no, we have to do something. And they're like, nah, man, we're just going to chill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's what's going on. It's meant to be. <laughs> And it's funny because when Aloy says, like, oh, so you're just going to sit around and become foods for worms, literally, there's a gasp and shock. Like, how dare you say that we're going to become food for worms when we just said that's what Because <laughs> he literally says, like, you know, we die and return to the ground. Right. That, uh, he, he, uh, he says that. And it's just like, oh, and the dude fan is like, well, you're just ignorant of our beliefs. But no, dude, that's what you just it's said. what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you just said. And. Zoe chimes in and she tries to get them to listen. And Kel says, no, you tried to get the, she says that, you know, uh, Zoe tried to get them to get into a reckless war with the Karja. But I'm like, it wasn't reckless. The Karja were kidnapping your people and sacrificing them, whether or not the Utaru fought back. They were in your base killing your dudes. And like, you know, it didn't make a difference. Like, so it wasn't reckless. Like they were going to push in anyway. 
So this so, this line yeah. when I was first playing, when I heard that, I was like very interested because I I I thought Zoe was just like another person that was like stuck in her ways or whatever. But then like they right. said that line, I was like, oh, there's more to her than we than she's letting on. I'm excited. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we definitely find out more about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's just she she even said down at the bottom of Wayne Song that, you know, the request has kind of brought up some divisions uh in in the Utaru. Like some people want to do stuff, some people don't want to do stuff. She did kind of contradict that saying because she also said, like I said before, that you know, even before she got the playing song, people were trying to determine like what they should should do. Yeah. Uh, but either, either, the bottom line is the chorus doesn't think they should change their traditions for an outlander. And when Zoe says the chorus wants them to do nothing, Fane says to believe that a lone outsider can save them is nonsense. And he says a single seed matters little in the life cycle of growth and decay. So he's just throwing out traditional, like, I, I was going to say marketing buzz terms here. Those are marketing terms to, to <laughs> So, so <laughs> you know. to me, speaking of marketing, I feel like this is almost like subliminal messaging to Aloy to put it in her head that like, because the game the entire time is trying to steer her towards a, no, you actually can't do this alone. So there's like these right. little messages everywhere that's like, no, you actually like, you're just a single person. You can't make a difference. Like you need help. Uh, yeah, I mean, that could be, that's also the case. But then again, like a lot of themes in games, like, uh, or a lot of scenarios in games, like who, you know, you have the sole hero, like, oh, who do you think you are? Like, you right. can't do this by yourself. You think this one person's going to disrupt the entire, you know, whatchamajig that's happening <laughs> in whatever game you're playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so even though, even in Horizons Zero Dawn, right, she had all that help to, to, to stop them from you know, taking the spire, but everybody gave her credit. Like she did it by herself. <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know. that's true. I actually did not think about that. Like she so, definitely needed those people. She couldn't do that on her own, but they're like, you're the savior of Meridian. Like Varl was up there too. Aaron Varl was up there was the- too. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the game kind of is going back and forth. Or I should say the series, because in this game, you're right. Like, they're definitely trying to carve this narrative that she's trying to do it so well, but really shouldn't be trying to do it so well. So, mm-hmm. you, 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 your point has weight. <laughs> uh, so, right as he says it, or right after he says that, there's an alarm that comes from the mountains. And the machines have broke through their defenses. So uh, now Zoe turns into a rule breaker. She's like, oh, there's nothing keeping us from going to the cave. Uh, the time for permission is over. I mean, I, the thing I, I think is funny in this, in this kind of cutscene, right, is that, you know, the chorus is sitting there. They're talking. We're having this conversation about, yes, you can go in the cave. No, you can't go in the cave. We're not going to tr- break our traditions, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as that alarm goes off, the chorus just disappears. Like they're they're just, they're just they're they're nowhere. They don't say a word. Aloy, Varl, and Zoe kind of run off to not that far either, just so they can kind of see what's happening. No one from the chorus comes and checks and see. Hey, they don't even say. Hey, is that from the mountains? They broke through our defenses. 
somebody like you know start giving directions to the people start yeah. getting like, you know get your weapons do something nothing they just disappear into the background like have you ever seen that meme of the black guy with like the braids in his hair and he throws up the peace sign and yes. disappears <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what this is. <laughs> they, they just like it's through the piece like didn't disappear. Like they gone. were never they were just gone. And then so yeah, there's nobody to like refute Zoe or anything like that. They could have even, you know, said something, you know, w- once the 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 alarm had been sounded, they see the smoke, they'd be like, no, 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 we need to defend plain song or or something like that. But no, they were just they're just gone well they're gonna they're (laughs) gonna go high they're so keen of returning to the earth that the second something happens they're like nope gonna go hide (laughs) (laughs) like uh, they may be so into it they could have just went down into the fields and start putting dirt on themselves (laughs) like just just waiting for the machines to come down like okay we're just we're gonna speed this process up right yeah so uh but zoe's like yeah it's the time for permission is over so this is this is another instance in this game where if they waited 15 minutes, like the yeah. whole thing that just happened would be irrelevant. That is true. That game does. <laughs> this game does have that problem. This so, game really does have that problem where if you just waited a few minutes, it's just like the second we got to plain song, it probably took 10 to 15 minutes, like in game time to like talk and get up maybe a couple of days for some people. But like, they get up there, and if uh, the alarm could have sounded when they were at the front of the town. Honestly, even if Aloy would have decided to bypass the chorus and go directly to the cordon, by the time she got there, it would have been broken through. Right. <laughs> like, she wouldn't have even had to go kill anybody. Like, she would have had to talk to anybody. Like, she gets there. She would have got there as the machines were, uh, were breaking it down. You yeah. know, so like that's you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are absolutely right. So, Varl, Aloy, and Zoe they all do that thing where they jump off the ledge first and then throw the uh, the hook. <laughs> you know, because like, the, the, I didn't see anyone else repel. I just saw everyone jump, and I only saw Aloy repel. It's because the way the camera sticks to her, like when that animation uh, happens. Okay. I think I think it's like hard coded because okay. If you do that and then try to do photo mode while you're doing the jump, the camera's static. It's it's locked in place. Oh, for real? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so. I'm wondering if like they did that to like imply the motion, but because Aloy is the center of attention, your brain automatically fills in the oh, they're doing that animation without even doing it. Like they do that in movies all the time where like they have that yeah. center focus so they can be a little sloppier on the outsides. Wondering if they did that. I mean, fine, whatever. Because <laughs> they do, they at the top, they do a motion where they're jumping off. But yeah. literally, like, once we lose focus on them, they could have just, like, gone just... into a T-pose down yeah. to the ground for all we know. <laughs> yeah, so you were 100% correct. So, uh, yeah, they, they all start heading to the cave. There are a bunch of claw striders in the fields of playing song. Actually, all of the enemies are have that purple glow. They're all the enhanced enemies. Go ahead. I had a lot of problems here. Okay, go ahead. The second I started running down that path, my frames plummeted. Like, I was just dropping frames, not flames, frames. 
this when I got to the Claw Striders, like I it it was rough. I died like two times because it was like not as laggy as like out where everything's happening, but because it's still kind of laggy, my shots are just like a little bit off. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely did not have that. If I would have had that problem on the PS5, I would have been more upset. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, this is this is the PS4 limitations right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have that problem. I did. Because I, there's even like um, purple burrowers out there. I didn't fight any of that stuff. I ran past everything. Oh, I fought yeah. everything. Oh, really? No, Lagging I ran all. past everything. There's only a... Um, there's a spot where you have to you have to fight three claw striders, but they're not mm-hmm. the apex ones. That's what I'm looking for. Apex. They're not the apex claw striders. Um, so Alo- Aloy does say, you know, there's more than Minerva and a missing land god in that cave, like as you're running. So clearly she's talking about Hephaestus. But I'm not sure if they've mentioned Hephaestus in this game yet, anywhere. I don't think they've actually said Hephaestus, like the name Hephaestus. Like once we get in the cave, it's a different story. Yeah, I don't. You're right. I don't think they have. Yeah, because like if in you, because when she was looking for all of the functions, they didn't mention them at all then either. Yeah, they didn't mention the functions by name. They only mentioned Minerva, Minerva because yeah. that's the one that they found. But Hephaestus, like I don't think they've really mentioned him yet. You know, but we if you've played the Frozen Wilds. You see the purple glow in the machine. She talked about the purple glow, called them hunter killers. <laughs> you know, these are yeah. all the things that we know that Hephaestus was was doing. So uh, even though in the Frozen Wilds, they made it seem like he was making new machines to be hunter killers, which were our, our big bear friends, the ones with the wrestling moves. Yes. You know, with the frost claw, frost the fire claw. Yeah. 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 But no, so. you're right. See, I I just said Hephaestus a lot because when they were talking about the cave in the stone stone's edge whatever I was like oh that has to be a cauldron and that has to be Hephaestus right exactly like every they gave you all the clues right. to say Hephaestus so uh they just haven't said the name yet which I mean it's kind of understandable because not everyone played the frozen wilds there's plenty of people who actually did play through horizon zero dawn and never went back for the DLC you know they're lost because it's the best story in, in the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, that it, it happens. Some people just have it. I mean, some people are just playing like they didn't even play Horizon Zero Dawn. Like they played Forbidden West. That's their first Horizon game. So. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's why they're listening to this podcast right now, because then they, they listen yeah, exactly. to the entirety of the first game. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I didn't fight everything. I literally just ran past a bunch of stuff. Like, and I think I was more inclined to run past all that stuff because I was still playing on hard at this point. Oh, true. And I'm like, I just don't feel like <laughs> I don't want to deal with this right now. You know, so if I was playing on, on a normal difficulty, I probably would have <laughs> probably fought something. So, but then again, like it wasn't like Varl and Zoe were stopping the fight or anything. Like Zoe was booking it. Mm-hmm. She was booking it. Like, I really do appreciate the way that game devs have NPCs that run ahead of you or at least keep pace with you. Even when you're like running or walking, like they'll stay ahead of you because yeah. like that was if you haven't played games like in the early 2000s, that was the worst, man. And then they force <laughs> you to walk. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. That was the worst. So, But uh, once you reach the cordon, you have to fight three normal claw, claw striders. 
So I think this is the first time in the game that you have to fight cost riders. I don't think, yeah, like you, before, like if you fought them, you probably went someplace else and did some extra, some, like, you know, like a, a side quest or went, or just exploring or something. But this is the first time you actually have to fight cost riders. So now I, Zone, Zone, there's three of them. Zone Varl will distract at least one for you because there's other machines there as well as like scrappers. Mm-hmm. So somebody's going to just distract the smaller machines. Somebody's going to distract at least one claw striders, but I didn't have a problem with all three attacking me at the same time. So I had a problem. I think when I got one down the, the, um, was it the scrappers? Yeah. The scrappers and at least one claw strider was like on me, like all of them. Yeah. All, all, but like one. No, I didn't really have a, an issue here. So I was able to kill them. And they were the machine I was kind of worried about because I'm like, these guys look tough. They have chainsaws on their arms or something like that. Like, you know, like this. <laughs> I thought they did. Like, they have some type, like, yeah, they, they, they uh, or is it their teeth in their mouth? Like, oh, I think it might, might be, be their, their mouth. mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're really built for, like, there's, there's no uh, acquisition purpose for what they have. You know, they're definitely a, a dangerous machine built by vessels to kill people who keep killing his machines. So, yeah. but. After you get past the uh, the cordon, um, there are a couple of Vitaras still alive up there. Uh, but you get past that and you finally make it to the Sacred Cave. So uh, let's hear an overview of what happens when we reach the Sacred Cave. Aloy, Zoe, and Varl stand before the cauldron door. Aloy gives Zoe a focus so she can better understand what is happening inside the cauldron. Not far into the cauldron, they start seeing purple glowing cables. It's clear to Aloy that this cauldron has been taken over by Hephaestus. He has been making hunter-killer machines here. After traversing the cauldron, they find the core and land god Fa. Fa has been transformed by Hephaestus from a plowhorn into a new, more dangerous version called a Grimhorn. Zoe is shocked by what she is seeing. Aloy tells her that they know what they must do. Zoe agrees as she is worried about what would happen if the other Utaru saw this, or worse, if it would attack them. Aloy fights the Grimhorn with the help of Varl and Zoe, eventually taking it down. Zoe is distraught by the situation, which seems to annoy Aloy. She says she isn't upset over the machine, but more so what it means for her and the other Utara. Aloy attempts to override the core, but Hephaestus is present and recognizes her. Hephaestus evacuates the cauldron, threatening Aloy on his way out. With the core overwritten, a new door opens that allows Aloy, Zoe, and Varl to make their way into a new part of the facility. Alright, so this is all new to Zoe and to a degree Varl like you know he's been he's seen more stuff than the average person but he's never been in a cauldron before right like you know he's he's never really been in one before or around one right so when mm-hmm. you, you get to this like shield wall and she's like oh, it's like uh you know they don't really know what it is it's like oh it's a it's like a wall of light we gotta go around it don't worry about it <laughs> you know? I, I do this every time I go in a cauldron I see the wall of light and I'm like I don't remember. Does that hurt you? And I run into them every oh, yeah. single time. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah. Duh, it hurts you. Yeah. So this one's pretty easy to get around. Uh, before going in the cauldron, though, because, um, you know, it doesn't take too long to get from the, like, the entrance of the cave to the cauldron door. And um, Aloy gives Zoe a focus so she can understand what's happening in the cauldron. And, you know, it's a bit of a shock to her having the second sight now. And Varl's like, don't worry, I'll show you how to use it, you know, because Varl's big man now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's not the latest recruit anymore. 
And uh, she war- warns both Zoe and Varl that there is something dangerous beyond the door and it wants them dead. So follow her lead and be ready for anything. And then they head inside the cauldron. And this is officially our first cauldron of the game. I mean, technically speaking, I think you could have went into Cauldron Moo. Mm-hmm. I think it was. But you probably weren't the right level. That one was like level, I want to say 18. 18. It was so, at level 18. Yeah. And at that point, I think I was around 15. I was like, oh, absolutely not. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so uh, there are leap lashers almost immediately when you when you walk in. Like an idiot, I fought them on the platform on the top as opposed to the more open, open area. See, at the bottom, I was an idiot because I did go to the bottom, but this was the first time where I was like, oh, let's see what this shredder gauntlet was is all about. <laughs> so there's not enough space to catch it as if I was even trying to catch it. Like watching that gameplay, I'm like, no, dummy, catch, catch it, catch it as it yeah. comes back. I'm just like <laughs> slinging them out and I'm running out of the spikes. I think you need like the spikes for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was painful to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I just. Well, three of them in an enclosed space. I'm fighting three kangaroos <laughs> in an enclosed space, and then one where I'm getting kicked in the face so much, because <laughs> you know, I'm just not thinking. I wasn't using the the old noggin. So Varl's like, "Oh, this is where machines are born." Aloy's like, "Well, it looks like one, but they apparently also get repaired here as well." And that kind of raises the question for me, like, especially after reading the comic, is like, "Well, do all cauldrons also repair machines?" Because the Zero Dawn comic, you had that Hunter Keller who was, like, limping his way back. That claw strider limping his way back to the cauldron to get repaired. Or is it only certain cauldrons that repair machines? And, I mean, like, uh, we know that machines take stuff back to cauldrons, right? Like, we know acquisition class machines take stuff to cauldrons, like, to deliver blaze and other supplies. So, like, if a behemoth goes back to a cauldron with supplies, does it get a little, like, a little tune-up before it heads back out? Maybe. I wonder, too, if, like, see, if they can make machines, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to repair them. Uh, But the only other answer I could think of is maybe if the machine's too damaged, it goes back to the cauldron for them for it to take it apart and then use the good parts for other machines. Well, they have. That's what scrappers are for, though. Like, like, like that's that that's the that's the um, not the opposite, but that's the other side of this is that. A machine can work in the field until it breaks down completely. And then the scrappers scrap it. They give it to, you know, uh, um, a behemoth or what are those other like things? The thing the that you shell, thought was a boss. The, the shell walkers. The shell walkers, yeah. yeah. They give it the parts of the shell walkers and then they take it back to the cauldron. So the technically speaking, there's no, there's not a ton of need for a lot of these machines to get repaired. Yeah, but it takes the the extra work out of other machines having to carry their broken parts back versus them just carrying themselves. That's back. true. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I, I doubt, I, it was just a question. I, I doubt this one's going to get answered. <laughs> yeah, know, probably so. not. But anyway, this uh, cauldron repairs machines. That's all we really need to know right now. <laughs> Uh, so as they get further into the cauldron, we start seeing the purple glowing cables, and Zoe says something about it, and Aloy starts talking about Hephaestus, and says it takes over cauldrons, creates dangerous machines, and Zoe says, you know, well, she says, like, even the mountains are rotted to the roots. 
or even the mountain is right up to the roots is what she says. And I'm sure Aloy rolled her eyes. I couldn't see Aloy's face because we were, I was walking in one direction, but Aloy probably just rolled her eyes as we were walking forward. Because uh, Aloy hates, she, it feels like she hates to hear anything that's rooted in that world. She's like, mm-hmm. I can't believe you. You all are so far behind, <laughs> you know. So. Which technically she's the one that's far behind because all of the stuff that she knows is knowledge from the old ones. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the first puzzle we come across is when we have to lock rotating platforms into place so we can climb up them. And you essentially just have to stand on the platform and get the gear to expose themselves and shoot the button. And once you're able to make your way up to a network link, you can override it and remove asbestos cables and allow Zoe and Varl to climb up to you. I mean, that's basically making your way through this cauldron with them. Uh, usually, I don't, don't want to say cauldrons are, are puzzle solving. Most of the time, it's just platforming, right? Mm-hmm. So you just got to platform your way from one place to the other. But in this case, you actually you have, you have two people with you, so you kind of have to drag them along. That's what you're really trying to do here. Um. The next one's a simple jumping and climbing puzzle. And after you clear the node and get Varl and Zoe across, you hear like the new voice of Hephaestus uh, because they changed his voice too. Oh. Uh, I went back and watched my recording of the other, like of the, the first time you hear Hephaestus' voice in uh, the Frozen Wild and then mm-hmm. versus this one. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think that the voice changes, they were, I don't, don't want to say they were unnecessary, but they're good, I would say. Like that's my, talking to Hades is still my favorite. Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> you know, notice. Yeah, Hades was really good. I didn't even notice the voice change, if if that means anything. Yeah, so there it is a different uh, voice. So, and it's doing the same thing that it was doing in the in Firebreak and the Frozen Wilds. It's narrating its functions. You know, it's saying you know moving this to this and changing this to that and things like that, and uh, like. I don't know. Did we actually discuss why these functions have voices in the first place? Because we know that silence had to give Hades a voice. Like Hades wouldn't have a voice without silence. Well, I don't think Hades. So once whatever happened to like make Gaia blow herself up and everything and all the sub functions like split off, they found places to go. And it also made them smarter so they are like on a certain level also ais and i'm sure the place that hades found to go to wasn't strong enough for him to function where the other ones possibly have that pre-built or something in it Uh, i don't that's the only thing i can think of i think for hades and i'm I'm not remembering this 100 but i'm pretty sure silence says that he found a signal and he followed the signal and it led him to Hades. And then he took Hades and put him into a horse, like a class, like core processor or whatever. Yeah. And that's what, you know, and after that he was able to, and, but actually still, I think like, it allowed Hades to have more processing power, but I'm still pretty sure that he had to create a voice for Hades so that he could actually communicate with him. He had to create a voice. He did. Yeah, but, he had to create so that they can communicate together. Well, so, well, Hades can understand what he was saying, but from the understand Hades. Yeah, but also like the Horus wouldn't have like it's already broken down, right? At this point, or disabled or whatever. So that might be a possibility as well because it's like a disabled machine can't it doesn't Maybe. have much power. 
Right. Now, one thing I will say, they, they changed with the voices or with the functions, at least the way I like from my, my perspective. And we'll see this in a minute with, with Hephaestus too. In Zero Dawn, Hades did not have emotion. Like he was just a machine. Like mm-hmm. when he saw Aloy, he was like, this is a threat to the system. Eliminate the threat. He wasn't mad about it. He wasn't upset about it. It was just a fact. She is a system threat, you know. When Silence was talking to him, he was it was very back and forth. Like it was like explain this, explain that. Like anytime Silence brought up a term that I didn't understand, okay, explain what is this? Explain what is that? You know, um yeah, like it didn't really it didn't feel like it had an emotion or I mean it had intelligence, right? Because it did use the knowledge of the Karja against the Karja to make it believe that it was some type of God. Right. Mm-hmm. But in this game, Hades hates Aloy. Hades hates life. Like he, he could, he made that clear in the way he talks. He definitely made it clear in how, in that, in that, in that trash talk he had when he was dying, <laughs> like officially, you know what I'm saying? Calling them filth and stuff like that. Um, Hephaestus, like I said, we'll, we'll get into a little later on talks a bit about like kind of talks like he is a little uh frustrated with the situation with the current situation and also minerva once we talk to her kind of displays a bit of emotion you know Uh, yeah i wonder if it's just the way that they're evolving because i feel like hephaestus showed a lot of emotion as well in frozen wilds you think so like i'm trying to think like Actually, I'm, I can't even remember his dialogue. Did he say anything when Aloy tried to override the cauldron? I think he just electrocuted her. Did he actually say something? I don't. I don't know. Maybe the actions that he was doing makes it because it seems like he was frustrated with people well, that kept say, killing think, the that that kept killing the machines. But that doesn't seem like a frustration to me. That's just like okay, we I have this these machines. My job is to make sure these machines operate and keep the terraforming system operating right properly. The people keep killing the machines, and the first thing that it did was instead of making killing machines, it just tried to dissuade people, like you know, from hunting them by making them more aggressive and making them charge and things like that. It didn't start creating the killing machines until. 10 years ago, right? Like, you know, at this point with the, with the sawtooth. And then yeah. it just kept making more dangerous machines at that point. So that seems logical. Like, Hephaestus does not seem like it's trying to destroy all of humanity. You know what I'm saying? Or that it's, like, mad at humans. It just wants the humans to stop killing his machines. Right. It would stop making danger, more dangerous machines if the humans would stop hunting the machines. Or maybe the devs just didn't think about how the sub-functions would work or react in the first game because this game was going right. to have more of a focus on them that could just be another answer too but i feel like hades did seem very like this is my job this is what i'm supposed to do and you're interfering doing the task that i was given so i'm going to stop you but in this one right. yeah he definitely had a lot more emotion about it all of a, it it was amazing yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic um, yes, so. but I feel like Hephaestus did have emotion in the last one, but I can't, I can't really recall, but it could just be, maybe they're evolving over time just because of the, you know, them going rogue and, and like they've, they're becoming more 
I don't want to say human, but human, I guess, or just sentient. The, sentient thank you. Or just the devs were like, okay, well now we have to flesh out these, uh, these sub, uh, sub functions. That is true. I, I, maybe, maybe that's what happened, but, uh, there's definitely a difference between the way the sub functions were represented in the previous game and now. So, uh, but in the next room, uh, there's another platforming puzzle. This time with flying carriers to help us get across a gap and reach another network uplink. And Aloy notes, she's like, oh, these carriers are moving a lot of weapons. I wonder what Hephaestus is up to. And I'm like, making killing machines. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, putting the, he's putting the weapons on the machines to kill us. Like, that's what Hephaestus is doing. And then that remark it's overshadowed by what varl says next when he's when, when varl sees aloy is hanging from the carrier he yells her not to let go and she's like oh, i wasn't planning on it i'm like thanks for being really helpful there varl <laughs> thanks bud no i was gonna say that because like i guess i noticed she said that but the second varl opened his mouth i'm like listen i know your girl's there and you're trying to show off being like giving some helpful advice here but like you're not you're not helping yeah, sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Nothing. Oh, don't let go. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't think about that. Thanks, dude. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, finally, for the uninitiated, like if you didn't play the Frozen Wilds or maybe not even Zero Dawn at all, Zoe asks who, Festa, who Hephaestus is and what it wants uh, with this place. And Aloy explains that it wants the cauldron to build deadly machines and that it used to be a part of something called Gaia. You know, and she actually says, yeah, he did this before, or it did this before. I mean, technically speaking, though, Hephaestus, isn't Hephaestus in charge of all the cauldrons, right? Mm -hmm. Because any cauldron could push out a uh, Thunderjaw. Any cauldron could push out a Clawstrider, you know? Um, I mean, I honestly don't know. They don't get into the meat and potatoes of it, but I don't know why Hephaestus has to take direct control of a cauldron to make these Apex machines. Like, what's the difference? Because it just, it seems like the cauldrons all operate under his command. Yeah, but maybe he can only focus, like, more deadly machines one at a time. Like, maybe it just doesn't have enough power to do that without him being there. Because, like... I guess any cauldron can make any machine they want, but I'm pretty sure they just focus on the machines that like when you override the cauldron and get the overrides, those are like yeah. the machines you see there. And usually within that area. That is true. So maybe, but yeah, she does like, so now you, you kind of have an idea of what Hephaestus is and what he does and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and they make it into the room where the core is, and inside they find Land God Fa, or what used to be Land God Fa. Uh, Hephaestus has altered it and turned it into a weapon called a Grimhorn. And Zoe's like worried about what happens if the Otaro see it, and what if it attacks the Otaro. And Aloy's like, well, you know what we have to do. And she's kind of in shock. Uh, and Aloy asks if Varl is ready. He doesn't say anything. You know, you can see that he's clearly ready to go, but his thoughts seem to be with Zoe because he knows how much this means to her. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Varl is, you know, more than Aloy can relate to Zoe in this moment, you know, to have her beliefs like tested and challenged and, you know, because she's going to have to kill one of her gods who's fed and clothed and protected her people for generations. Right. At this point. So this is, she, like, this is a big deal for her. She definitely heavily implies... 
Um, cause Aloy asks if she, you know, she's ready to, to fight this thing and she doesn't know how to feel, but she's afraid for plain song. Cause like if one of their gods attacked them, she, they would probably just let it happen. They're like, well, this is, this is meant to be. Just well, as we already said, they're die. already in the dirt with, they're already in the field with the dirt covering. <laughs> rolling right or now. stop, drop and roll, but there's no fire. <laughs> yeah. They're just waiting for the claw striders to get to them Yeah, <laughs> at, at this point. And so Aloy and the team, they head down, and uh, Aloy connects to the network uplink, and that takes the shield around the Grimhorn down, and the fight starts. Did you notice that when you go down there, it's not, like, silent, and it's not playing, like, the cauldron music, but it's playing the Utaru chorus music? The chorus music. I was like, where the heck is this music coming from? (laughs) If the chorus was singing it in plain song, why is it here? (laughs) But it's, like, in a slightly different key. Like, some of the notes are slightly off. So they they did add that effect there. So that was nice. But they fight this Grimhorn. And I thought this fight was going to be a bit harder. Um, it does have mostly fire attacks. But it does have a disc launcher. It has two disc launchers on its back that create a sizable explosion. Uh, so it's weird because when you fire the disc launcher, it almost seems like it fires multiple discs out at a time. But when it fires a disc launcher, it fires like one at a time. So that kind of happens with the um, with the the weapons. The no, sorry, the Thunderjaw disc launcher as well, uh, because the Thunderjaw disc launcher works different on the Thunderjaw than when you use it. When you use it, it just fires the discs and it hits a target, and that's it. When the Thunderjaw uses it, it fires the discs into the air and they stay there. Right. And they shoot lasers down. I'm like, why can't I get that action? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, you can detach them and use them against them. It's probably one of the, the best ways to to hurt the, the Grimhorn. Yeah, I really messed this fight up because I didn't realize that there would be more things running in, which like, duh, there would be. Right. And I didn't know what to focus on, and Zoe and Varl were down, like, the entire time. Really? Yeah. No, they stayed up the entire mm-hmm. fight. Like, no. so the Grimhorn focused me. They focused on everything else. Yeah, no, yeah. They, they just got destroyed. I don't know if the Grimhorn did, like, a charging attack or something, or shot them once and they were down, but I was having problems, because... I shot a gun off, but I didn't shoot it off right away. And when the ads came, I was like, I'll pick up this gun, kill the ads, kill the Grimhorn. I'll be good. No. Dude, I didn't even know what ads were there because they were just handling everything. Like, I knew there was a long legs because (laughs) while I'm fighting the Grimhorn, I see Varl running. And a long like just chasing him <laughs> as he's running, and they they literally run right across me. Like I, it's like me and the Grimhorn, and right between us, Varl runs, and then the and then the the um long leg runs right after him. It's a really funny sight. Like when I was watching my video, it's a really funny thing to see. <laughs> Not so much while I was so focused while I was in the fight, I didn't even notice it. Yeah, but then when I'm watching my video, I'm like, what? I think it was like <laughs> right a, a long legs and a, a scrapper, maybe. Sounds there was right. a scrapper. I think there were multiple scrappers. So there could be. Uh, yeah, but the foot, the foot, the, the Grimhorn has a. I think this was a really good place to fight your first Grimhorn. Mm-hmm. A Grimhorn, I think, in a more enclosed location would have been a much bigger issue. Uh, because, like I said, it does have the disc launches with college ex- explosions. 
it can shoot fire, like it can spray fire, like a flamethrower from its horns. Its horns are two flamethrowers that it uses at the same time, but it can also shoot fireballs from its horns as well. It can do a fire slamming attack. Uh, it has sacks of blaze on its back, but it's not weak to fire. So when you blow them up, like you basically get the explosive damage, but not really the fire damage. Uh, and uh yeah like in my notes i said like you know there's small machines around but zone overall did a did a good job of managing them not for you not for you (laughs) the second time around i shot off both of his guns like that was my main priority shoot off the guns and use them so i shot off the guns i killed the grimhorn and then when i was done with the grimhorn i then focused the ads because they were still alive but the best part is the one died but the long legs was still alive and then Zoe was like, oh, that's all of them. I'm like, no, there's still one alive. What do you mean that's all of them? <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's funny. So um, I guess Brawl had the fight of his life for that long because like, it was still alive when I got done with the Grimhorn, right? And I uh, shot it and then it, I, uh, it was limping. And I go to do my spike thrower and I completely missed the spike. But I had the explosive spike thrower. That when you throw the spike into the ground, it sits there for a few seconds and then blows up. And then, like, the long look, like, limps over by it and it explodes and it dies. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So, I was like, wow, that sucked. And I was like, oh, no, that's a win. (laughs) That's a win right there. So, but, uh, yeah, the Grimhorn went down pretty easily. And once the Grimhorn's down, Zoe runs over to it. And she seems distraught. And Aloy like, complains. She's like, oh, she's mourning about a machine that nearly killed us. And I'm like, well, first of all, it didn't nearly kill anybody. And, you know, Varl brings up, hey, that machine is still her god. Like, it's crazy to me that Aloy is supposed to be this person that's supposed to care about the planet and care about humanity and care about saving people. But yet she doesn't understand basic human emotion. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, so... You know, Zoe does chime in and she says that she isn't mourning the machine, but the fact that she no longer knows what to believe. You know, and I'm like, oh, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, Aloy tells Zoe that she can go home, but Zoe says she doesn't even, you know, does she even have a home anymore? And if so, for how long? And, you know, she asks Aloy if she can really heal the lands. And at that moment, the Cauldron Corps appears and Aloy says, well, it starts now. You know, very superhero like. Of course. Yeah, very <laughs> Very Batman. So what I thought was happening at this moment was Aloy was overriding the core. Apparently not. She was just trying to, I guess, push Hephaestus out of the system. And while she's doing this, Hephaestus recognizes her. He says, uh, I think he says, intruder identified, uh, calls her the destroyer of Cauldron Epsilon. Um, and then he reroutes power and escapes to the cloud network, right? And then he leaves with a I'll get you gadget line because, (laughs) you know, as it's funny, too, because as the program is leaving the system, it starts to trail off. But he says, intruder, your uh, calling is inevitable, but it trails off as he's leaving the network, which is hilarious as an engineer to me. Like (laughs) blasting off again. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's that's exactly (laughs) what what it seemed like. It's like, I'll get you next time, shaking fist. (laughs) As he heads into the cloud, <laughs> you know, so it was just really funny. Um, but um, yeah, he's uh, she was able to successfully push Hephaestus out of the system. So the last time she tried this, 
um, had tried to override a cauldron that Hephaestus was running, she ended up knocked out. And that's how Araya died. Yep. You know, so that was, that was quite the scene. But this time she doesn't pass out because I think she, as she's doing it, she's even says something like, not this time, Hephaestus. And I'm like, what are you just going to, are you more resistant to shock now? Yeah, that's what I was, I was like, <laughs> how is this even working? Like, she just turn it a little bit more? Like, is she a master coder now and she can code the override thing? I don't know. Maybe, like, she prepared for it. Like, maybe, like you know, because we have no idea what she did to True. her new override except lose all the overrides she had before that's the only thing that we know <laughs> she did with the new override right so we have no idea uh what she could have done to improve her chances at overriding uh hephaestus but I mean, then she, again she knows how oh, to sorry, copy focus data and stuff so like she has she knows how to do stuff that is true, but I think we're going to kind of revisit this because once you find out how, like, what has happened to Hephaestus since the last time we, like, faced him and how powerful he is, it seems even less likely that this should have been successful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think this is something that we'll definitely um, re end up revisiting. But like I said, I thought that was her overriding the core, but it's not because you still, to override the core, you have to go back and hit the override button again. Mm -hmm. So at this point, Aloy can override the core. And uh, this is where you find out they've added an additional challenge to the game. So obviously in Zero Dawn, we overrode a core. You got overrides for that core. Uh, now when you override a core, you do get some overrides, but you also get corrupted overrides. And in order to complete the override, you have to gather parts from those specific machines and take it back someplace in order to get the complete override. And this is for larger machines, right? So the plow horn is one, uh, thunder jaws are another, the, uh, shell snappers. Um, actually, do you get, Oh, do you, I'm trying to think, do you get an override for, um, rock breakers? I can't remember. I don't remember. They don't show up much, so like exactly. Why? Like I dude, I I actually only remember one rock breaker in the game. It has to be at least two, right? Yeah, there's there's I fought like two in side quests, and then there's like a one or two in the world. You see one in a main quest, but I don't even know if you fight it. But you see one for sure. I fought I fought three. Three you quests. Fought three. In three quests. Okay. And then there were their habitats. There's like two of them. Mm. Yeah, West. I don't recall. Yeah. I don't recall. Like, they are not nearly the threat they used to be. Oh, no. <laughs> Especially now that I know how to fight them from the first game. And I think they, like, reduced their... Yeah. Their also, the fact, <laughs> the, the fact that if you, if you crouch walk... They yeah. cannot detect you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was true in the first game because they were on you in the first game. There's no, there's no time to crouch walk in the first game because they are on you all the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, but yeah, the bigger, the larger machines, you have these uh, corrupted uh, overrides. Which I mean, I don't mind it. Don't get me wrong. It definitely, I think it, it definitely added a nice element to the game. Like, okay, I, I it's a you know, I want to get this override, so let me go hunt this machine. Like it mm -hmm. added a machine hunting element. There's a lot of machine hunting that I and I don't mind it. Like yeah. uh getting the parts for your armor, getting the parts for your 
um, arrows and stuff like that. What I do wish and something that'll come up is that they gave you some of the uh, more legendary items earlier mm-hmm. because those require a lot of grinding. And I, I just, I, I, I just, I wish I had more time in the main game to get that stuff. So I, yeah, I understand. I totally 110% agree with that because any of the legendary stuff I got was like the very final things I was doing in the game. So I didn't even get to like utilize it. Exactly. I mean, so. there's new game plus now. So that is true. There's a new game plus. So. All right, so yeah, I think that, that that once you hit that override, that actually completes the Dying Lands, and it starts the next interlude, which is called the Eye of the Earth. And that's where we're going to stop this episode, and the next episode we're going to do that interlude, Eye of the Earth, where, oh man, just so much. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much happening there. I'm hoping we can get it done all in one episode, because it, it, it's a lot. It's actually, from a time perspective, I think it's about 50 minutes. But there's just so much information that you get in this next interlude. So, and I think that like kind of really concludes. Well, I guess technically speaking, this concludes Act One, and this is the interlude, and then we're kind of start moving into Act Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Christina, how, how are you feeling right now? <laughs> I was really excited to get to the Plain Song. Actually, this game has a lot of highs and lows in it. Right. So I feel like I was kind of on a low, and then this from plain song moving forward then put me on another like really big high so at this point i was like just really excited to continue and i played for so long every day like every video is like eight plus hours right yeah i do think that this is the first this is the main mission that kicks the game into high gear yes At, at this point this kicks the game into high gear because even once you come out of this area, once you do the interlude, the like it's just mission after mission. Even the side quests mm-hmm. are, are are good; they're more in depth, you know. So it's I, I think this is where you know, like this is where my uh, reservations about the game really started to kind of come down. Yeah, and and this is where a lot of the hand holding and the questions start going away and the, okay, go explore. And here's all your answers start coming into play. Exactly. Exactly. So this is, this is the point that you want to get to because, you know, we, we've talked about the don't we've, we've talked poorly about the don't for a while. <laughs> then you do have like that kind of, that kind of like, you know, um, sorbet, uh, <laughs> well, that, that's what that stuff is. The, the palate cleanser, right? That's sorbet. Yeah. yeah the, the story, it's not huh? ice cream. I don't know. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not ice cream. I think that's. I think that's what it's like. I think it's called sorbet, like the the, the little mint like palate cleanser. Uh, in the um, when you go to uh, the Hades Proving Lab, but you know, unless you go directly to Plain Song, which you might not. You know, like if you're like us and you clear some side quests, you might be worried about. I hope it, we don't run into another don't situation. And then <laughs> the game's like, nope, don't worry about it. <laughs> Look, you know, that's basically what, what, what it kind of feels like here. So it's, it's nice. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, now, now, now we're on the, now we're on the roller coaster. So, uh, but yeah, so like I said, we're going to end it here. Thank you guys very much for listening. If you enjoy the show, you want to keep up with, uh, you know, mash those buttons. You could join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash the mash network. That is the official Twitter of mash those buttons. Christina, where can they find you? 
You can find me at S'mores Popsheart on Twitter and Twitch. I'm also the host of another podcast on the network called Wondrous Tales, and we just talk about Final Fantasy XIV content. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Josh Radamus. You can also find me streaming on our Twitch channel, Twitch TV slash Matchless Buttons occasionally. And uh, like I mentioned before, we'd love to have you join our uh, Discord, talk about the show, talk about the game at match.gg slash discord and i encourage you guys to reach out to us with comments and questions so please feel free to reach out on discord or twitter or just email us at contact at match.gg uh, if you enjoy the show you want to help us out one of the ways to do that is to share the show with others and to rate and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice and if you want to take your support a bit further you can visit mtb.gg slash support and see all the different ways you can support matches buttons on being a patreon we have a general support tier available starting at two dollars a month at patreon.com slash match those buttons we do have a Teespring store at merch.mash.gg. Uh, uh, we do have a Twitch subscriptions available at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Uh, we have a Humble Bundle affiliate link as well. So uh, if you buy games from a Humble store, they'll just give you codes to Steam, Epic Game Store, Uplay, and more. And we also have a one-time PayPal donation link. So if you want to donate that way, that's also very helpful. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about mash those buttons. And with that, we are done with this episode. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 